Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Gary Allen brings you his new studio album, Ruthless, featuring 13 brand new recordings, including the single Waste of a Whiskey Drink. New music from Gary Allen, Ruthless, available everywhere now. Tell me how you can be so ruthless. Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 45 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Uh, Craig Fitzpatrick, how are you this week? Grim Handango. Not looking too grim considering you've been deathly ill. You're looking quite fresh. Thanks, man. Uh, I believe a fever tends to make your skin look a bit better and mine is smoother than a baby's right now. Yeah, you've kind of got that healthy glow of, you know, pregnancy or something. I wouldn't go that far. I hope I'm not pregnant uh, because I really don't want to deal with the struggles that would come with that. I was sick enough at the weekend. Colin Morrigan. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's very, gra- very grave. Well, I didn't really know how to lead on with the possibility from the possibility of your pregnancy. So it was I- a strange opening tangent. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, listeners, I was sick. I almost missed the podcast. And what would have happened without me, guys? The world will never know how close <laughs> we came to having to do it without you. It's like I the was Bay of Pigs or something. I was genuinely out at one point. I was saying, I'm not doing it this way. I can't. I can't get out of bed. I had a fever take hold late on Friday night. And it was horrific. It was genuinely the sickest I've been in years. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Whoever that could be, you know, previous episodes might indicate as to some, some <laughs> trustable targets. But yeah, no, it was horrible. I spent the weekend, I spent Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and a bit of Tuesday pretty much mostly in bed. Uh, I went through so many bed sheets. It was disgusting. I sweated, cold sweated through, you know, h- horrible. W- would wake up at like six in the morning, didn't know where I was. I woke up one point, I was talking to myself. I came up with a psychic by the name of William, who I spoke to about different things. Little Utters reference reader. Yeah, this all happened. Colm's looking at me like, like yeah, because I, I genuinely went crazy. It I was, was with him until the sidekick. Yeah. And, and then, then... This yeah. wasn't a purpose. Isn't thing. William your middle name? It is. So you were talking to Myself. your middle self. <laughs> Ooh. 
But no, it was absolutely horrible. Uh, this virus apparently had been going around for quite a while. Uh, we know people... <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> no people It's had... January and you're a bit sick. This Relax. is also turning into like a PSA or no, no, something. No, 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 guys. I'm telling you, like this is legitimate. This floored people, good friends of, the, of ours, who thought they... I, I thought I had pneumonia. It turns out it was man flu. No, 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 fuck you. It wasn't man flu. This was genuinely, genuinely as sick as I've been. Maybe my entire life. Shivering, shaking, curled up in a ball uh, for days on end. It was horrific. And I'm I- not going to listen to anyone who, who, who... You weren't fucking listen, there. Listen, I think Colm's a bit upset because he spied his opportunity to get in there and get on the mic first. This I was, was wondering This was going to be a big episode for us. I was wondering... Dave, you've taken it away. Which one of you guys were going to like do the intro? <laughs> well, it, it's also spoiled my opportunity to use a heavily photoshopped uh, likeness of Dave. Oh, yeah. That, uh, there was that, some magic that was going to happen. That was going to be for this episode, but that will be uh, put in the pocket for a later date. Possibly... For our live show, uh, if you yeah. missed it, tickets went on sale last week for No Encore Live, March the 2nd in the Workman's Club. And uh, yeah, they're going like the proverbial hot cakes. Uh, early bird special is now done, gone. All of those tickets are cleared. Uh, so €10 Euro is what it'll cost you uh, to be part of what should be a very special evening. NoEncoreLive.eventbrite.ie is where you can get tickets for that. Get your tickets. Come to the Get show. Tickets. It's going to be great. I'm doing stand-up, apparently. And mm. in other stuff that's kind of popped up uh, this week, uh, just in case you missed it, our interview with Girl Band is now online. Uh, a pretty raucous hour for myself and Dave in the company of Dara and Dan from the band. One that they hope Conor McGregor doesn't hear. <laughs> and there will be, later this week, uh, another episode of the Revisit podcast. Ridiculous. So much podcast action. There is so much <laughs> going on. And I suppose without further ado... We might as well launch into what's been going on in the world of music. And, frankly, a long time after this story should have been put to rest, you feel. Uh, Talk of Michael Jackson's death has once again been in the headlines. His daughter Paris claiming in an interview with the Rolling Stone that she believes her father was murdered. She said he would drop hints about people being out to get him. And at some point he was like, they're going to kill me one day. Sounds like a total conspiracy theory and it sounds like bullshit. But all real fans and everybody in the family knows it. It was a setup. It was bullshit. And she says she's going to get revenge, essentially, or at least justice. Uh, She says it's it's a chess game and I'm trying to play the chess game the right way. And that's all I can say about that right now. It's the plot of an amazing movie, isn't it? Uh, it's also if you read the full cover story it's actually quite sad Um, this is the thing it's very sad uh, because she's obviously saying you know Michael clearly had his issues and he was talking about this conspiracy but whenever she talks about her father it's clearly from the point of view of like you know hero worship Uh, it seems they were very much cut off from everyone else they were kind of just raised by him so everything she has to say about him is you know he was the greatest guy of all time blah 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 stuff I suppose you'd like to hear but she's clearly processing loads of that stuff and she's been through the mill uh, is, this at 18. A bit, is this a bit tabloid of, of Rolling Stone like, like, yeah, she, this, she, like, granted she's 18 years of age and you don't want to like say like you know you're not old enough for this whatever but there's just something about this which feels very sinister to me the kind of thing that you would expect to see on the National Enquirer or TMZ or something and to be fair Rolling Stone you know they have they put the Boston Marathon bomber on their cover like you know like, they're not exactly the, the most purest bastion of uh, you know epic journalism out there or anything but at the same time there's just something about this which didn't sit right with me when I saw the headlines I was like why are you interviewing this girl she's clearly very damaged and clearly very emotional and as you say Craig has very strong infallible kind of hero worship of her father yeah. so uh, there's just something quite exploitative about this I thing. mean at the same time you would point out that unlike the National Enquirer this is not you know sources suggest or somebody close to oh, yeah. Paris Jackson yeah. this, this is uh, herself and, and her own words 
Um, I mean, it it is sad, and it, it's definitely, you feel, a reflection of the sort of life that she's been forced to live. And I suppose to that end, uh, in the interview, she spoke about something that we've covered before in the podcast, uh, where she talked about Justin Bieber um, when speaking about cyberbullying, where she said, you know, that he went into a downward spiral because everybody hates everybody that he dates. Um, basically, mm-hmm. they just get so much shit online that, yeah, she, her heart goes out to Justin, and obviously she's kind of experienced some of that in her own life as well. Yeah, very sad, and I mean, reflective, of course, as you say, of a generation where like, I always find it fascinating. Where it's like, we love you, Justin, but you know, stay away from that girl. Like, okay, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it becomes this obsessive thing where they have like ownership of him. And I mean, she seems from this interview, she's talking about you know, she's doing modeling, she's doing acting, she breaks out an acoustic guitar at one point. It seems like she's clearly going to step into the spotlight. Um, so she's just going to get more and more of this kind of stuff. So have to be a large spotlight. <laughs> She's doing all of those at the same yeah, time. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, but interesting. Yeah, Not to jump into that sort of, you know, Justin, we love you, get away from that girl mode, but uh, Charlie XCX, we love you. Stop talking to Will I Am. <laughs> yes, don't have anything to do with that bad, bad man. Charlie XCX uh, said that she has been working with Will I Am and found it amazing, but said that he gave her some advice, which was the verse. Just say some random words. Nobody listens to the verse. Thanks, yeah. Will. I am. That's what you want. You What's want... more, she she did it. She did, and she said it worked out kind of all right. It was an interesting. It was a really fun way to write songs. Uh, she said. Hopefully, she doesn't stick with those lyrics that she came up with. But it's true. When you go back over any Black Eyed Peas song, which I did last night for I don't know why. No, you wouldn't listen to the verses. They're just absolute tripe. Like he literally is dreadful. A lot of pop <laughs> is designed to get to the yeah. chorus, and the chorus is is the money. So fair enough. But like, I mean, come on, like like this attitude of just like we don't need that. You know, we don't need this these these foundations that like that can also be enjoyable. It's like fuck off, will I am. It also really came back to bite him if you can remember that time where he tried to freestyle at the Grammys. Yeah, yeah. it was absolutely incredible. You know, when you win a Grammy, that's when you know you had a really big slammy. What? Yeah, I what mean, are you on he's clearly a great businessman. Uh, Production-wise, he's obviously good, a bit of a hitmaker, but he's not a rapper. It, does, it just doesn't seem like that. And um, yeah, clearly he doesn't care. Charlie Why XCX goes on to say, you know, like that her new record is going to be her party album, and she says, like, you know, like you know, on my previous record, I was really annoyed with the music industry, and I felt like I had something to prove. Mm. After that, I didn't feel I had anything to prove anymore. Can I just jump in here now and say that what's coming is one of my favorite sentences ever. Also, one of my favorite hobbies is partying. Yes. Am I real? Yes. Am yes. I realised that I never actually made a party album? Do you reckon she puts that on her CV? Yeah, under <laughs> hobbies and pastimes, interests, partying. I don't think that counts. I never made an album that I'd want to hear at a club. It was very indulgent in that sense because I just wanted to make an album that I could get fucked up to. It's the soundtrack to my nights. Sorry, have we heard Sucker? Sucker is a party album. Yeah, very much is. Also, th- those quotes kind of sound like Will I Am lyrics. Yeah, it's a soundtrack to my nights. My hobby is partying. Like it's yeah. Um, it was yeah, it was totally a pop record. So I don't know where she's going to go to from here. Well, yeah. we've heard we've heard after the after party, which Cullum was. Yeah, well, actually, well, that's true. Yeah. To be honest, I, think I quite liked it. Yes, maybe yeah, maybe that's, that's the true. step that she's making that from an album that you know would like you know be good in the background of uh, drinking and partying <laughs> like soccer. I'm imagining, I'm imagining this is a new album that just forces you to get yeah. fucked up I'm if you want to listen uh, to it. The Charlie XCX Carfenwares interview. So it says here, uh, hobbies uh, getting fucked up. <laughs> But in fairness, we did say when that song came out, she does seem to have an awareness in her music of what she's doing. Like, there's a kind of oh, coat yeah. of irony totally. there. Yeah. So hopefully she she follows suit with that. Uh, somebody who yeah, doesn't always have the irony meter set very no. high is Lady Gaga. And she will be hitting the screens this coming weekend the as gags. part of the Super Bowl. 
Uh, I'm excited because I like the Super Bowl. Yeah, not, not for particularly the, not because for the of music. Lady Gaga. Do you enjoy that it takes 17 hours to complete that match? I'm fine with it, to be perfectly time honest. Time out. Oh, again. The only time that there was ever an issue with that was the time that Beyonce blew the electrics in the Superdome. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, went completely black, and, yeah. and what's more, I, I, I was watching it at home or at a party, but I know people who were out that night. That's and, one of your hobbies, isn't it? <laughs> I love to party. Yes, yeah, one of my hobbies. Uh, that's what your new album's all about. Beyonce managed to blow the power in the Superdome pretty much about two minutes after they'd stopped serving in bars here in Ireland, which meant that, you know, not only was there just a 40-minute period of complete darkness in yeah. the football game, but, uh, yeah, you couldn't even drink through it. Uh-huh. What, people start picking themselves off one by one? <laughs> like, like, that's bizarre. So they got very, very tense, did it? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I was at a party. It was fine. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot you were partying. Yeah. yeah. I was indulging in my one of my many pastimes. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah. to your night. Yeah. This year's uh, Pepsi Zero Sugar Super Bowl 51 halftime show. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it really Doesn't adjust. Does. <laughs> like a Pepsi Zero Sugar. <laughs> yeah. You can. Yeah. With, with a lead in created by PepsiCo's Creators League Studio. <laughs> What the fuck is that? But Those either, guys. But either way, no, maybe the most confusing thing about all of this is that that lead-in is going to feature Tony Bennett. Of course it is. She loves him, doesn't she? She, she does. does. Yeah. yeah, she was on his, as it says here, his duets album from about five years ago. He's looked exactly the same for about 20 years. He's now 90 years, years old. That's like, amazing. And he's looking pretty good He for looks great. It. Yeah. Well. For 90 years of age. Yeah, I mean, he's starting to look a bit like a handbag in that I way. Know, now. I'm actually, I'm, good. I, I, I admit you know what, I he, haven't Googled him. He does that really good old kind of New Yorker thing where, like, he'll wear suits when he's working but then he's just in a like a brightly coloured tracksuit and yeah. he just looks like he was in Mafia he looks like a boss oh, he's a charming bastard he is like, he's constantly it, on Twitter it, with his little Bichon Freeze dog called Happy just like in the snow I'm, and, I'm, like, I'm, I'm googling imaging him right now he's I'm an amazing guy um, yeah but yeah they duetted on what was this uh, Lady is a Tramp um, which was a dreadful dreadful version I believe um and I can't imagine this is going to be too exciting. I mean, is it going to be a video link-up? Did I read that incorrectly? Like, he's not actually going to be there. Be no, I, I don't know. I mean, I presume, like, he, he'll he probably, you know, be there in some shape or form. But, yeah, there is some sort of video element to it as well that's yeah. going to be for broadcast more than in the stadium. Uh, more to the point, though, fans are worried about what they're going to get from <laughs> Gaga. Um, basically worrying that she's going to perform a lot of stuff from Joanne. Uh, AKA perform loads of stuff that nobody really cares about. Yeah, Surely I mean she's going to play the hit. She knows like. to put how to put on a spectacle. Yeah, she's not going to get this wrong. You would imagine, but I don't know. She just seems to be making, for my money, just wrong steps I if left it'd be and a right. Big political statement. Well, this is the other thing. Yeah, uh, the NFL denied that they've kind of banned her from speaking her mind. It can't um, be as bad as the Bowie tribute. That was just. Uh, I was. I thought you were going to say it can't be as bad as fucking Madonna ten days ago. Did you see that? I was blowing, I thought up, of the blowing up the White House. No, you haven't, love. <laughs> no, yeah. After doing some Molly and you know being controversial, yeah. <laughs> like now Newt Gingrich wants her arrested though, which I would love to see. But um, but yeah, Gaga is apparently going to be free to say what she wants. I mean, obviously, you know, within reason. Uh, Beyonce got people very uh, upset last year uh, by just playing formation. Um, MIA stuck up a middle finger, and obviously, yeah, Janet Jackson uh, a few years ago. We all know what happened there. Uh, totally unplanned as well totally like, unplanned yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't cynical whatsoever. and in some sort of strange way I think as the story goes kind of uh, res- basically responsible for creating YouTube off the back of it so. sorry what? the inventors of YouTube basically made that because they were annoyed at struggling to find the video of the Janet Jackson incident wow. that was what actually propelled them to go into trying to make some sort of video hosting site wow 
There you go. Mm-hmm. I, there's no way that's in their keynote speech whenever they do a thing. Though, is it? I'm sure they've revised that. <laughs> Thank you to, bring, to the nipple. <laughs> yeah, we just want to bring people together. Well, ironically, yeah, I'm sure it's probably against their code of conduct or whatever the hell they have now. Like, you'd probably get the video taken down. But yeah. Go to YouTube right now, listeners, and type in Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. <laughs> see what you find. Wardrobe malfunction. And finally, in the, in the news for this week, uh, Jay-Z uh, making like Craig and uh, distancing himself. <laughs> but not unfortunately. This Cra- bastard. Craig's not going to make 200 million out of this. This though. bastard. <laughs> no, it's true. Although just like Craig, it's kind of like Jay-Z, you know, like he's moving away from it, but he still hasn't been able to get all the way out. <laughs> um, Jay-Z has sold one third of Tidal uh, to Sprint. Appropriate the- name. Yes, uh, for $200 million, according to Billboard. Um, Sprint said that they have indeed purchased a a third of the company, but didn't uh, comment on the price. The quote here is fantastic. Mm. I I love these quotes. They were clearly not written by the person in question, but by a team, and then signed off on. The the ones were like, you know, in a business deal, they never quite sound fully human. They sound quite robotic. Uh, The CEO, uh, who's got a great name, uh, Marcello Clarer. Clarer. Uh, he said, Clown. "He said, and I quote, <laughs> Jay saw not only a business need, but a cultural one. Yeah. And he put his heart and grit into building Tidal into a world-class music streaming platform that's unrivaled in quality and content. Jay-Z added, Marcello understood our goal right away, and together we are excited to bring Sprint's 45 million customers <laughs> an unmatched entertainment experience. <laughs> oh, said he's Jay-Z. a long way from Brooklyn. It's <laughs> <laughs> really is. Although a, not the modern Brooklyn. <laughs> make a list of influencers <laughs> across the various verticals and outreach accordingly, <laughs> said Craig's boss. Um, <laughs> shout out to the amazing business shout speech out. going on at yeah, Newstalk. Yeah, it's, it's very close to Communicorp speak here. <laughs> Have you figured out what that means yet? Um, no, I've figured out nothing. But yeah, I, like, I think aside from the money, he'll just be happy to be slowly getting away from the mess that is title. Because it's like, just been such bad PR for the thing since the get-go. One, since like, that ridiculous press thing. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Mouse was big fucking mouse head. Like, everyone just like standing up. Daft Punk, Jack White. It was like some <laughs> yeah, bizarre... Dead Mouse with the mouse head that day looked exactly like, you know, that football mascot standing yes. for a minute's silence. Yes, he did. He looked so awkward. The one thing, or I suppose two things worth noting here, though, in this deal is that first of all title is going to be available to sprint customers in the US and that's to the tune of 45 million yes. <laughs> well, but that's a lot of damn users and I mean like if they really are trying to compete with Spotify and even with Apple Music where I think it was generally agreed that they kind of fallen behind this is probably a decent leg up yeah. and to further that charge uh, it's something that they've obviously used in the past but apparently in this deal 75 million dollars is going to be set aside as a fund dedicated to exclusive releases. Mm. Now, obviously Universal have said that this is not going to be for them anymore, but that is that's a lot of money and it sounds like it's really going to be at the the core of what they try to build title with. Yeah, I mean that was their kind of what they were, you know, marketing title as it was for the musicians. It was about, you know, that cultural quote is ridiculous, but it, kind of their mission statement was, okay, we're going to actually empower musicians and give them some cash. And stop us listening to their albums. I was about to say, yeah, I mean, impairing musicians is all well and good. I don't think we necessarily thought that it was going to be at the expense well, of hey, the customer. With, with a layaway like that, maybe we will get that new Kiss album. There is a third point of interest, though, because the uh, subscriber numbers apparently have been inflated from 1 million to 3 million in terms of their accuracy ratio. And that was broken uh, by a Norwegian business newspaper by the mm. name of... Dagens Næringsliv. Thank you. I think that means business news today or something. Well, uh, it does. I can yeah. confirm. Uh, I'll tell you what it means. It means it's time for the songs of the week. 
Pick a number. No, I love this game. Four. Okay, this is Real Estate and Darling. A short and sweet intro for a band that, you know, you're kind of like, hmm, like, is there much here? It's pleasant. It's yeah. nice. It glides. It's dreamlike. You waltz around in it. I very much liked it. It is very pleasant. Um, it has that kind of light, you know, pastel colored Benetton feel. Um, the start is great. Like, I love those kind of chorus pedals. I love the intertwining guitars. You're almost like the this. start. Yeah. The 6-4 intro. <laughs> Things should have a health warning if they're going to kick off like that, man. I could take three runs at it before I was willing to let the song play through. I was really? Just getting, I was just getting distracted. I was like, what time signature is this? What are they doing here? Oh, it just washed over me. I thought it was glorious. But <laughs> I was just, awesome yeah. wave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just didn't want, like, the, I, I didn't need vocals to enter. It was just it was just doing it for me. And I like this band anyway. Don't I like their vocals, vibe. Don't need vocals, eh? Don't need verses, eh? Yeah? Well, then I the am. vocals come in and they're quite good. So this is, yeah. It's a good tune. I'm excited about what's coming up. It reminded me a little bit of The Shins, albeit without oh, no. such sort of contemplative depth. Um, I can see that. I prefer this infinitely. But yeah. it is of that style. And I find that with bands of this style, it's difficult to maintain interest when you, your music is kind of sleepy. That's you know? exactly it, yeah. And, and you know, if there isn't anything of, of real substance, I suppose, uh, lyrically speaking. Um, like, I couldn't get imagine, like, you know, someone getting like, oh, my God, they've announced a new real estate album. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Like, fair enough. You know, like, I'm sure it'll be totally nice and warm. Yeah, and it's kind of music to make sandwiches to or something. No, nah, I don't know. I, like, I really like the guitars. I have, to, I have to say I really like the guitars. Um, it's kind of that Vinnie Riley thing of just, you know, very pretty. Not quite as sorrowful as the Gerudy column stuff. But, yeah, like, it's almost, it should just be instrumental, I think. Maybe that's what would make it better. But, yeah, I'm kind of, I like these guys. All right, uh, I'm going to go for number two. This is Young Fathers. Only God knows it's off T two Train Spotting Two. No, that's not a typo. It's a cumbersome title for mm. a film. Uh, yeah, one of the like they're all over this soundtrack. They have six yeah, tracks in six total used in the film. I think four tracks in particular like make the actual soundtrack alongside, of course, the Rubber Bandits who are on there as well. And to be fair, actually, when you listen to this track and then listen to Rubber Bandits, Dad's Best Friend, you can kind of hear how the rubber band that's actually ended up tied into this. Um, Danny Boyle has said that Young Fathers are sort of the heartbeat of the film, so mm, to speak, mm. in the same way that Underworld's Born Slippy was for the first instalment. And yeah, I mean, I really, really like this track. Yeah, um, I'm a fan too. of Young Fathers anyway. Um, they're good boys, as I found out. <laughs> Your when boys. They, when they jumped in for a selfie of Forbidden Fruit last year. I went to the bar. Um, they're <laughs> also obviously incredibly talented. And this song, I mean, it's just added another sort of string to their bow in a way. Totally, because yeah. 
it's very much playing on their strengths with those kind of pounding rhythms and that, mm. you know, fairly uncompromising delivery. But then you've got that choir and that kind of gospel element. Really impressive, I must say. I don't know where this place is in the film, but I gotta feel like it's possibly end credits if there's a vaguely upbeat ending to this movie. I don't know if there is yet. Uh, early signs of the film are quite good, apparently. But yeah, this is this is great. I think young, young fathers are one of the most interesting acts around. They're terrific live. They're very different. They know like there's just something about them. They have incredible power. And from the opening seconds of this, I'm in. And as soon as that kind of kicks into the more kind of driving beat, I'm like, yeah, you have me. Uh, it's one to kind of return to and play again and again. And I think it's fantastic to see them getting this kind of exposure. They probably won't care though. I'm sure. They, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna, we'll, we won't see a photograph of them smiling at the premiere. That right? time when they mean mugged through winning the Mercury Prize Beautiful. was just incredible. Yeah. The appropriate reaction, I think. Um, but yeah, if this is to be the heartbeat of the film, it's a very, very strong heartbeat. I mean, and a great kind of choice for group, just obviously the, you know, Scottish connection. Um, with the original Train Spotting, you had so much of that music crossing over. It seemed like a really zeitgeisty thing. Um, it seemed like with a lot of the selections this time around, it was hearkening back. But then again, with the likes of Rubber Bandits, Young Fathers, they're going for that again with good choices, not just doing it for the sake of it. So that's a good sign. Yeah, it's also a good kind of, you know, tweak in as much as there's no it's it's not underworld trying to do born slippy too yeah. it's not even that style of a thing it's just going a completely different direction and it has life of its own and if nothing else that on its own is incredibly admirable yeah as we say it, it bodes well combined with uh the fi- well for the film but uh but also for what else we're going to hear from those guys uh both on that soundtrack and further in the future choose another number cool number one this is gold rap they're back with any more I think you could definitely say that sounds like a golf rap song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're absolutely. Back. Yes, it sounds like it sounds like they were never gone, really, doesn't it? Uh, it's the first single from their seventh album, which is I due be- out. I, I, this shocked me. I was like, golf rap of seven albums. Oh, they've been around album. for a minute, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> strong I, minute. Yeah, I think I think they only made it big with their third, perhaps. I think Black Cherry, Black was Cherry, yeah, their second or third record. Um, and frankly, yeah, this sounds like something that would sit on it. Um, or indeed on, was it Supernature? Was the one after mm. that? Either way, though, the problem is that those albums were in 2003 and 2005, respectively. It's difficult listening to this to think that they're not just, well, A, rehashing what was then. And to be perfectly honest, you know, I liked those albums then, mm. and so I don't really have anything against this song, but yeah. perhaps everyone else has kind of caught up. Especially, and yeah, when you're listening, like, when you're listening to the new Austria record, Future Politics, which was dropped on the day of Donald Trump's inauguration, pretty much as, you know, in response to that. Yeah. Granted, the two bands aren't necessarily exactly the same, but there is that whole kind of, you know, ethereal strangeness going on, and I think Austria are doing it better. This is fine. Like, it's grand. But I've never really, again, I mean, like, I've never really understood the golf rap thing. I mean, I've never, again, a band I, I could never quite get excited about. I'm like, you know, like, you know what you're getting. It's kind of like, you know, like Zero Seven or something. You're like, it'll be perfectly pleasant to put on. I'll have a good time listening to it. And then I'll walk away and get on with my day. And I'll listen to Young Fathers again or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they kind of 
built their career on just ripping off T-Rex a bit, didn't they? Which was fine because Mark Boland ripped off everyone else. But this is kind of them back to that sound because I think the last record about three or four years ago was, you know, had folkier elements. It was maybe more absorbing listen if you gave it time but the problem was critics didn't seem or the casual listener didn't seem to give it much time didn't get great reviews so it feels like they're just going back to the stuff the formulas that worked and it doesn't sound that great i mean you know the kind of the hook to it isn't really that appealing it's this kind of vague song of longing but it doesn't really satisfy any itch does it like I say, I mean, I did quite actually enjoy the song, but then again, I'm aware that part of it could also be just fucking nostalgia. You know, I can sure. remember hearing them play a set of songs that sound like this when I saw them at Electric Picnic in 2005. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not a good thing that they haven't noticeably moved on since then. The most striking thing about it was the press release that came with it, or at least some comments that came with it, where Alison Goldfrapp said, we've never liked repeating ourselves. <laughs> Often we react to things we've just done. We like the spontaneity of not knowing. And it's like, really? Because yeah. this sounds like you've painted by numbers. It sounds like it'll be on a kind of Rimmel London ad in the next six yeah, months. Since that's that's I'm forever name. fascinated by those kind of claims because they genuinely seem to believe it. Like, I mean, I've interviewed people before, I'm sure you guys have done the same, where like they've kind of made those claims about a record that sounds pretty much like you know cutting room material and in that instance all you can do is take the person at their word but then you listen to the material and you're like this you've done this like you have yeah. and you're like you're like how do you not do you not recognize i'm it? sure it's genuine and again if you know the last record which is now four years ago was quite a departure you're then saying what seven years since they've been doing this kind of stuff so yeah it makes sense when you're that close to it i think but it for all, the objective listener yeah it also has something to do with i think just how restrictive your view of your yeah. sort of pigeonhole is so to speak i mean the ultimate example of that is noel gallagher who before every album he <laughs> the releases the great experimentalist noel gallagher <laughs> but precisely because before every Every album he releases, he's like, this album is out there, man. And there's like a fucking saxophone. And there's like... And it turns out that there's like one sax, like little flourish but on one song yeah. that's otherwise just following his exact template. But it's, it's genuinely, honestly blown his mind. D- doesn't Noel always go as well that he's like been hanging out with Aphex Twin in some like mansion in this Austria exactly and it, like yeah. doing like psychedelics and we recorded one album but then we didn't end up using most of it I just wrote some songs. <laughs> well I was about to say yeah the only time that he's really done that yeah was with Amorphous Androgynous yeah, yeah. and then he just completely backed out of the fucking thing so. Yeah just yeah. driving around the States man with my acoustic guitar and I, try- I wrote some more better songs that you know <laughs> the fans will definitely pay tickets to go and see. Up next um, a quite downbeat track. This is Mount Erie and real death. Death is real. Someone's there and then they're not. And it's not for singing about. It's not for making into art. When real death enters the house, all poetry is dumb. When I walk in to the room. Now, I sent this track to two different people who will remain unnamed mm-hmm. uh, at kind of around the same time, within about five minutes of each other, both of whom were at work, both of whom came back to me and said, I just started crying at my desk. Their jobs must suck. No, um, <laughs> yeah, this is an incredibly emotional track. Yeah. Um, the former uh, man from the microphones, I believe, right? Yes, um, indeed, yeah. Phil Elvrum. Yeah, his wife died last year 
um, from Pancreatic Cancer. And he wrote and recorded uh, his new album in the very room where she passed away. So, you know, upbeat toe tapper, it is not. Um, but this song, I mean, for me, it, it brought me back a little bit to, to when we reviewed Skeleton Tree. Mm. Where you kind of have to throw out a lot of the, you know, I, I I guess the sort of standard measures. You kind of have to find a brand new yardstick because, I mean, you know, it's not musically complex, but if it were, then you know the lyrics wouldn't be half as powerful. Yeah. And it's not sort of structured in a in a very literary way. But again, if it was, it wouldn't be as raw and as honest. Exactly, and as hard it's felt. very matter of fact, stream of consciousness. But also, if you listen to the song even before you know the backstory, I think it, it can hit you. And you look at the way the words are presented. Oh, sure. It's yeah. very just like stark. And there is a sense of atmosphere, even though it's incredibly minimalist. I mean, again, it's just like he says it himself almost immediately. Like, you know, like, you know, art, death shouldn't be used for art. shouldn't be used to like write a great song. And that's all bullshit. And here he is writing a song. And it's as as blatant and as naked and as upfront an examination of this as you can possibly imagine from someone who's obviously gone through a horrific time. There's a line about how he gets a letter or he, he gets a package in the mail with his wife's name on it and it's a backpack for their daughter mm-hmm. and she must have known that she wouldn't get to see her wear that backpack when she finally goes to school. Little lived-in details like that are the kind of things you just can't fake and it's an, terribly, terribly unfortunate that he, this guy isn't just a phenomenal writer with a great imagination. He's going through an incredible personal tragedy and the fact that he can be so open about it and put it out there to music despite his own kind of misgivings, I guess, like at least kind of, you know, at the start of this is... Truly, truly admirable, and yeah, I mean, this album's going to be fucking hard, isn't it? It sounds like it's going to be incredibly difficult indeed. Um, It sounds to me as well as though this is a song about him sort of, you know, not even just coming to terms with it, but almost just like understanding and experiencing something that he clearly had no understanding of before. Um, I think that's especially apparent in the lyric that you mentioned where, you know, he kind of says that, you know, death isn't about making art or writing songs for, yet, obviously, he now realizes that it is so all-encompassing that, you know, if he's ever going to sit down with a guitar or a pen again, it's probably going to color what he does. Yeah, and it's, you know, this song is very much not about grand statements because, as he says, you know, as we hit the chorus, you know, words fail. And it is, as Dave said again, those kind of little details, like you still get mail, this realization that kind of this momentous kind of dreadfully momentous thing has happened in your life, but life just goes on. You somehow have to deal with it. And it's kind of those little details that really kind of ignite the song. And it reminded me of like Sufjan Stevens' work and the likes of Casimir Pulaski Day, mm. where it is just those kind of everyday fragments that you get and really draw you into that world and kind of share a tiny bit of what must be an unbelievable pain. But yeah, it's, it's very stark and very honest and it's it's great. Yeah, it is very much worth a listen, uh, not for the faint of heart. And one imagines that, yeah, if... if if that's the indicator of what we're expecting on the album, uh, it could be something very special indeed, um, albeit something that uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenging listen to. Uh, what could also be a challenging listen is a release that was announced earlier this week. Uh, a popular man on this podcast, Father John Misty, Ooh. is back. <laughs> uh, he is going to be releasing uh, his album Pure Comedy uh, in March, I believe. April. April, my apologies. Uh, the lead single for the album is already out though that sounds like this now that's what I call pure comedy just wait until the part where they start to believe 
They're at the center of everything And some all-powerful being Endowed this horror show with meaning All oh, their religions are the best They worship themselves Yet they're totally obsessed Risen zombies yeah, the title track, uh, Pure Comedy, uh, which was also accompanied by uh, a movie that was kind of the, the making of the song, so to speak. Um, also interspersed with a lot of sort of avant-garde arty shots, as would be his want. Yeah. And also then, what, like a, an 1800-word essay? Yeah. Um, <laughs> circulated along <laughs> with the press with release. Like, uh, what is it, Ecclesiastes quote to open, yeah. kick things yeah. off? Like, and, easy and, in? <laughs> and uh, Yeah, and trust me, there's lots more where that comes from. I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, we all rate John Misty very highly. Um, Joshua Tillman, to give him his proper name. Uh, you know, but as high as I rate him, there's a danger that if he goes any higher, he's going to disappear up his own arse. Yeah, I think he's been in the mountains just eating loads of mushrooms. <laughs> and he's had some revelations that he wants to sing about them. Mm. And there is, certainly for Dave, there's going to be a worry because this is going to be, what, 74 minutes? 75, 75 minutes. 75 minutes. Is what yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> I mean, to, to, be, to be fair, at least 13 of those is in one track, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be kind of the, the, the centrepiece of the record, so to speak. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there's always an intelligence about his work and kind of a, a knowingness. Um, but in the past year especially, that's kind of teetered on just being a smart ass. Well, yeah, uh, but he's come back with some stuff um, that has veered more towards the kind of heartfelt... Because he has this dual character where, quite literally, where he does the smart Alex stuff but underneath it. And then sometimes, you know, quite openly, he's the most heartfelt kind of, you know, emotional guy out there. Whether it's talking about his relationship or with this material you know, the state of the world, uh, politics, stuff like that. It's kind of, I mean, pure comedy, the title track, we're still in kind of board of the USA territory. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's very yeah, very much. Um, and it's great, but 75 minutes of this might be, I don't know, just from fragments we get from the video he's released, it seems to be in keeping a lot with those vibes. So it will be interesting. Now, there will be strings, there's kind of, he's, it sounds like just going to be a lot of bombast. And... You know, he's smart enough to kind of do it all with a wink, I think. So we might be in safe hands, but it's a big ask. In terms of this track, I think this track, I fucking love this song. Yeah, I, I think, think this is really great, good. Yeah. Magnificent. I think this is an incredible work, an incredible accomplishment. You know, captures the mood. It's not quite a protest song, but it's obviously reflecting on current events. And it's never boring, and it builds so well. And it gets to the point where, like, when it kind of get you get that little build, that little build, and like his voice just gets a bit more into it. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, like there's just something like very rousing. I, I, I find him just so compelling. Right. I love this song. Uh, granted, yeah, the 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 length of the record and what it might, the breadth of it even like is potentially a concern. But so far, he hasn't steered me wrong, and I'm very. I, I think this is one of his best songs. Well, Easy. musically, there's no doubting it. Um, lyrically, th- there's that line, you know, what is it kind of, you know, there's, there's there's nothing human left, just random matter suspended in the dark. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it, but each other's all we've got. You see, he's and, a big L softy. Yeah. <laughs> but like I say, though, I mean, I don't know, I just, I feel there's this danger that there's a very, very fine line mm. that he's coming quite close to. I mean, even in that note, you know, it, yeah. it gets really highfalutin. Now, granted, he saves it because at the end, he kind of says, you know, basically the solution is bears. 
and that's fine because it's funny and it's whimsical and so on and so forth. Whether whereas if if he's ever attempted to go too pious or too sort of you know proselytizing in that sense, I think it could be really really dangerous. The other thing is that he said that like the album doesn't espouse any political view, where the video for Pure Comedy very very much seems to. It also features John Cena. Yeah, bizarrely. Uh, mainly Donald Trump, by the way. If yeah. you haven't seen the video and think, well, why is it John Cena video being particularly partisan when it comes to party politics? Yeah, it's a it's a sideways glance at Americana and how it's all gone strange. So naturally enough, you got to get some wrestling in there. Yeah. And John Cena sitting in the ring looking downcast after a defeat, <laughs> I suppose, uh, you know, captures the, the hearts and minds of an entire nation, guys. But yeah. listen, this is him going for a big statement, probably. This isn't is it? Because, you know, he's an artist that was working under his own name for a decade, doing kind of what he would say himself was quite po-faced, folky stuff. He found this character, it was totally liberating for him, and the world really embraced it. So it's kind of nice to see an artist go, okay, I've got people's attention, now I'm going to say what I fucking want to say. So that's exciting. It is exciting, and I mean, I am really eager to see it. I guess, like I say, I have my, you know, fears with it. I think he's definitely sort of made a rod for his own back in a way, but the other thing that you'd say because of that is that if he pulls it off, it's going to be magnificent this is like thing like there's no way that this is going to be a mediocre album you feel this is either going to be a miss or it's going to be a fucking triumph and it seems from the notes that most of these songs were written as far back as 2015 and he's just been kind of tinkering away in them so it's not like he's just been in some self-indulgent rush for the last six months and like i have to release all this stuff he's been sitting on these songs and he's like okay get the strings on they're good to go so yeah i can't wait to hear it uh, pretty much primarily as well for the reasons why Cullum says because there there's now a great big weight of expectation in the best possible way when it comes to a new release so very much hope that it's a home run but if it's a fiery mess well then we'll you know it'll be a fun one nonetheless <laughs> on it you'd think so Speaking of releases with a little bit of a build-up attached, uh, it was many, many years uh, until Japan Droids got their act together for uh, their new one, Near to the Wild Heart of Life. We heard the lead single before. It sounds like this. And we've spent about the past 10 days pouring over the full-length album. Craig, you are a fan. Celebration Rock, the last record, is right up there with my favourite LPs of all time. It's just this kind of really liberated, you know, old-fashioned rock and roll as liberation type thing. I mean, it's in that great pantheon of American beer bands, Mm -hmm. the kind of likes of The Replacements. Some great guitar riffs. It's just so joyous and has this abandon. So yeah, it's right up there for me. Very excited about this, and you know, it's again, they're a band, um, you know, talking about Father John Misty, who kind of struck a bit of gold with Celebration Rock after a long time of just beavering away. So they're now the band that they were singing about being, and certainly on this record, it's very much okay, we're on the road, uh, we're a touring rock band, here's what we've been up to, 
and the kind of fun songs to go along with that. And that sounds like it could be a dangerous, you know, mix and it's often quite boring. Listening to bands just talk about being in a band. Usually they're moaning, yeah. but with this it's more, it's like Kerouac rock. It's them on the road. Um, and yeah, I have to say in, I enjoyed it. Now it's, I was I was set up for a letdown really. Mm. And yeah, it's, it doesn't quite compare to Celebration Rock for me by any stretch of imagination. But there's some good stuff on this. They did a long interview with, I think it was the line of best fit, and it was kind of sold, you know, granted interviews are always sold and teased and, you know, they want you to click into it, but it was, like, it was kind of like, like there's, there's such a weird, I find that there's a massive love, uh, that kind of, like, it kind of goes beyond just pure love for this band, like that you see from, like, journalists, particularly kind of male journalists in their kind of late 20s, early 30s, this is like their Springsteen or something, there's just something about this band that seems to bring out a real sense of, like, loyalty and passion fist pumping uh, yeah but uh, but but again but in, in music critics like you know like who can often be quite snarky and stuffy about other things which might be of a similarly kind of mm, threadbare it's, bent I think it's the guided by voices thing it's that these guys were like our mates that kind of loved music and then they suddenly became massive it's like this weird kind of you're living through them almost yeah I think there's a bit of that I think there's also a little bit perhaps of you know you kind of want that accessible easy to listen to music but that's also you know worthy yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i think they probably it's easy to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah they probably embody that for some people that interview i read i mean again i i, I came away from it like kind of thinking oh, they there wasn't really much in that was there like i mean I, I was i was expecting so much more from them especially yeah. because of what they were kind of positing they were kind of like you know talking about how like you know the, the kind of band that they are and the roads that they've travelled and how those roads are getting a bit bigger and they love going to different places and that kind of stuff but like there was just something about it where I was like if this really is if this album really is as personal and passionate to you as you're saying it is why is this interview just kind of stock and trade and the album itself I mean for starters I mean like do you think Craig that this is like a really clean record like it's very polished isn't it it it's is very it is yeah oddly so it, I mean, like, that fuzz that comes from their guitar is now like almost like a safety blanket for them do you know what i mean like it's studio, just like, it feels like yeah. a studio trigger like, yeah it feels like a, like 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 a plug-in in logic or something and i mean i'll it took a long time for me to click with this record and then in clicking with this record i wasn't like you know oh my god but i was like it took me like about six or seven listens before i was like yeah actually i do think that this works from you know a to b um, I think it does flow quite well. I think the, the you know the sequencing is excellent on it. But overall, I do think it's quite by numbers, and I don't think that some of the, some of the songs don't come close to justifying their lengths. Like Arc of Bar, which is the kind of synth laden, yeah, almost interval kind of halfway point, which is one of the like the tracks that they debuted. It's actually that was that was one of the interesting in, in the interview. They said that they played a show, and it was their first show in a long time. And they were opening up with this weird, hazy track. And they were so kind of, you know, determined with this song and so focused on it that they didn't even stop to think that people would be filming this. And it's going to end up on YouTube the sure. next day. And it's going to be really out of context. And people are going to be like, what the fuck? And, like, it is them doing something a bit different. Mm. And it has... You can feel the skeleton in there. Yeah, there's it mo- doesn't it's, quite... It sounds like something the Kasabian used to do or something Ooh, like that A little to me. bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it never quite takes off. It's funny and, that yeah. you say, though, that... You know, six or seven listens to the album, and and you kind of clicked it. This album, the more I played it, the more I disliked it. To be mm-hmm. honest, and it was the first go round. It was a lyric on the last song that kind of twigged it for me. Essentially, it's it, it's break the bank like you break a bill. 
and it's like it's dodgy financial advice for a start. <laughs> but then, like you know, second and third listen, I was just listening closer and closer, and it's like you know, can't leave your dreams to chance or to a spirit in the sky. Our mission, making moments into memories, and it's like, why is this fucking Instagram the musical? <laughs> like, if this album was a person, it would have Carpe Diem tattooed on its yeah. ankle and a live, laugh, love decal on the bedroom this, wall. This is the thing. Yeah, it, there's no lyrical depth to this album. Whatsoever. Well, but, but even even and even in the even the title track, you know, which is a fun rollicking tune, you know, and, and it is great to hear David Prowse, like you know, where it's like you know why why have one drum beat when five will do? Like, yeah. like it's good that he's still got that style. Yeah, but. You know, I mean, even like the big refrain of that and your, and your big lead single, which is, you know, I left my home and all I had, I used to be good and now I'm but bad. The payoff. Yeah. That's your payoff? Yeah. That's your yeah. fucking... And bit, I mean, like, like, there's another song down the line that like literally rests on, the, rests on sha-la-la-la-las. Yeah, yeah um, a good sha-la-la-la can be great. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah. the, the, the thing is this, when you're talking about Japan droids, you know, we, we had the discussion before about minimalist music. Now, this is not minimalist, I'll grant you that. But it is... The sort of rock music that's built on a couple of elements, relatively few things kind of, you know, making up the whole. And it basically means that if one of those is weak, I feel there's not an awful lot else to kind of hang your hat on. And because of that, the lyrical weakness on this record just makes everything fall down around it. And it's, it's an incredible pity because, like, I want this album to be great and I think a lot of people would as well because you know it's a positive record in a time when not a lot of people are making positive records uh, I think that's a big reason why people in the music press are clinging to this band so much because they're like we want you to succeed we need you right now we need this kind of this hopeful soaring thing that we can all get behind and it's going to pull us through the next few years and you know this record can do this I mean I feel like this record for example I think will sound great in the summer kind of sitting outside with with your mates with a few beers. I, I, I think it'd be like perfect music for that. You'll be in a good mood. But if you're throwing this on for personal validation and to kind of like really kind of fall and get as deep into it as you possibly can, I don't think there's much beyond that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I absolutely agree with you. Like, you know, like this, this is a party album in many ways, I suppose. Um, Charlie XCX, listen up. But, you know, frankly, yeah, like you could have a good time with your mates and drink some beers in pretty much the same way as you could with, I don't know, like, you know, 101 Best Power Ballads or something like that, you know. There's 101 of them. Everyone can have a laugh and, you know, listen everyone to Journey. Have a laugh. Listen to Journey Yeah, or no, some I know, shit, but, 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 but what I will say is, like, listen to this record in January when it's still kind of cold and some of, yeah. us, some of us are recovering from the worst fever they've ever had, which is definitely not a man flu or anything. Um, you're kind of, like, you do kind of jump forward and flash to, like, oh, man, I cannot wait to hear that track in this context yeah, yeah a little a little bit but here's the thing i mean like i wanted this to be the whole steady i wanted this to be you know the album that you could go back to again and sure. again for years or something like that and yeah it just didn't have it like yeah. i say i mean like it's a positive record it's it's a bloody rock record at a time when there isn't a whole lot of brilliant rock records being made and yeah maybe that expectation has left me even more disappointed with the record um, but yeah, it, it just didn't do it for me. I don't think lyrically they're ever going to send to that level because they haven't been that band. I mean, they really are, you know, and I'm not slagging them off, but they're more Bon Jovi than Bruce Springsteen in yeah. terms of lyrical content. And on Celebration Rock, that kind of death or glory, all or nothing, those lines were really kind of invigorating because we're prepared to 
you know better riffs than are on this record um for one reason but also they just got it you know quite right it was you know it was vague and romanticized enough that was great but as you were saying earlier there's some real clunkers here like you know i'll be home soon baby there's a lot of that kind of stuff that you're just like are we really doing this yeah. like like, like north was it uh north east southwest that's the that's the biggest culprit yeah. but like but like the way that goes like north east southwest coast to coast like it's just like it's like what <laughs> like is German. this it could, it could be like a fucking travel show intro or it, something it's very like 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 people like just like 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 a, a terrible mountain like all doing the weird jig together like, like yeah. it's like what is this it's, yeah. it's, it's almost like pet shop boys taking yeah. the piss or uh, something and Doom. musically i mean you know they're still very good at that one thing they do but yeah. you know they feel like they're in a bit of transition but even those experimental bits a bit of synth a kind of a slightly louder acoustic guitar I mean, they're not changing things up too much. They're, the m- dynamics on this aren't great, and they're not a band that has strings or bows in the way that the recent replacements were so good at those big, you know, bastards of young anthems was because then they had the likes of a Skyway or a Here Comes a Regular that were contemplative and, like, looking at real life and had substance and kind of depth. Yeah. And this is a bit one note, this- um, but good fun. What I was reminded of is a line that uh, our pal and former guest Joshua Hughes used about a year ago when reviewing Zayn Malik's debut album, and he said it's like a Domino's meal deal. That some you know, it's, like it's fine and like you're wolfing it down, but somewhere around the third can of coke and the second garlic bread, you realise that you've just gorged yourself in a pale imitation of food. <laughs> and that's a little bit, bit harsh. That's a little bit how I felt like with this album. Like you're not going to be like, get that rubbish off my stereo yeah, sure. or whatever. It is. It is. You know, Celebration Rock was the unbelievable party and this isn't really a hangover but it's kind of like okay the party's gone on too long <laughs> this guy's you know thinks he's saying amazing stuff but he's not really making sense so, I'm gonna get out of here someone's like you know cleaning up in the background <laughs> yeah. like pouring beers down yeah. a sink covertly a tiny bit of that there's yeah. a guy who like you know needs actual help <laughs> is like let's have another tequila shot you know? you're like, yeah yeah we will man we will we totally will yeah, yeah you're like uh, is that, is that your gonna cab? pop out for some air yeah. <laughs> no it is I mean I, I said before I was like you know Japan droids only have one song but it's a good song yeah um, at their very best, it's a great song. I mean, on this one, I appreciate they tried to kind of mix it up. But like I said, the aforementioned Ark of Bar, like, it's by no means, a, it's kind of a noble failure. But what I would yeah. say is, Cullum, like in line with what you were saying, that was the one track on this where the more I listened to it, the more I, I was like, I was like, I think I'm starting to hate this. <laughs> because like, it's just like, yeah. it hits a point where I'm like, okay, right now, do something else. For think, fuck's sake. Yeah, it, it, as you said, it just it just does not justify its length. No, um, not, not, not even close. I think what's more as well, yeah. It's like a fucking on, prog song. On earlier lists, it is maybe a little bit of a welcome respite like you're looking for some song in the album that's going to do something that's sure. a little bit outside of their normal wheelhouse and Ark of Bar is that but uh, yeah it's not a convincingly successful uh, effort can you have a big major disappointment that's still an alright record I mean yeah absolutely I mean this is kind of what we talked about with you know the sort of the third albums list that we did a few weeks ago because um, is, this is their third album right no this is kind of their second really I, I think no it's third post nothing oh yeah sorry of course yeah. Yeah. Uh, they so, only broke the, through with the last one so yeah. I think yeah. this, this joins your, your third uh, this album go list go on my list yeah, then yeah sure. 100%. Um, shall we go for some scores I'm gonna go because we're not doing any seven, so it's six point five. Like, uh, and, like I'm not really even disappointed because I really think with Celebration Rock they just captured something that they weren't really going to do again. So this is fine. Like, it's enjoyable. It's grand. Six point five. Yeah, I I definitely had hopes. 
that it was going to be something a little special. And for me, I'm going to go 5.5. I'm going to join you on 5.5. Yeah, man. World of No Sevens has brought out the best in us. Well, that is near to the wild heart of life. It came out there on Friday. So give it a spin as you wish. Yeah, uh, well, before we sign up for the event, let's just remind ourselves once again, noencorelive.eventbrite.ie for the astounding No Encore lads and special guests on the 2nd of March in the Workman's Club. Craig's stand-up set is now up to 15 minutes. Yeah, um, tipping away at it. It's yeah, great. I've got some killer lines. You've got seven minutes of political comedy. <laughs> and what's, yeah. what, what's more, Dave uh, seems a lot more enthusiastic because you might remember last week, yeah. this is how Dave spoke about our live special. Uh, yeah, so look, this is our first ever live show, and I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a bit ramshackle. Well, you know what? We're going to do our best. I have a lot of faith. Don't be saying that now. I think with a lineup that strong, oh yeah, it's going to best. It's going to be fantastic. I will say though, as someone who was in bands and didn't always play to a full house, I am a bit scared, and therefore. I want people to, you know, show up on the night. Well, it, what, what, I'm, I'm, it's going to be jam-packed. I'm going to be signing stuff after the show. It's it's all happening, man. If this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, Cullum, what can people do? People can go to noencorelive.eventbrite.ie and get their tickets. Clearly I was having the onset of delirium. <laughs> and now... They would later claim me. Uh, it's going to be the fucking greatest show of all time. Yes, there we go. No question. There's not even a awesome. single thing. The choice prize is a week later. Well, I tell you, fucking move the fuck over, guys. Uh, yeah. They have. They're a week later. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they were scared. All right. Anyway, uh, as always, to play us out, we have an Irish act of promise and power. Uh, what, what the fuck am I saying? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you may have seen this person on the very, very good. Uh, a date for Mad Mary last year. Uh, she was also in The Fall and Raw, that kitchen-based drama, which I've never bothered getting around to. It was pretty good. Was it good? Yeah, yeah it actually was. Okay, well, Tara Lee is who I'm discussing at the moment. She's from Wicklow, and at the moment she's kind of turned her sights to the world of music. Uh, there's a television show, which I thought was done, but it's not. It's, it's, it kind of comes back every now and then. Ian Glenn of Game of Thrones fame plays a man called Jack Taylor in a show called Jack Taylor, mm-hmm. which is coming back for a fourth series this year. What's it about? He's an alcoholic detective. Jack Taylor. <laughs> what? It's about Jack Taylor. That's about Jack Taylor. Oh, cool. He's an alcoholic detective, you know, with uh, moral Aren't complications. <laughs> like, to, you know, seriously, you read the synopsis of the show, and it reminds me of Armstrong and Miller's sketch, where they have uh, that detective who, who's he's the alcoholic detective who like keeps seeing a figment of imagination called Mister Chuffy, who's an old time train guy, and it's fucking brilliant, man. YouTube Armstrong and Miller, Mr. Chuffy. <laughs> but this is the uh, intro music for the show. Uh, I guess they're getting new intro music, much like we did as well. So, you know, great minds think alike. Uh, it's called If I Burn, You Burn Too by Tara Lee. And uh, I think it's fucking great. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a really good song. It's kind of moody and atmospheric and all the rest of it. And yeah, she, she's kind of been threatening things for a while. I think she actually signed a, a deal with like BMG, I'm, I'm going to say like two years ago now. So um, things kind of moving behind the scenes, I guess. And yeah, if, if this is a sign of things to come, then yeah, I'm pretty impressed indeed. Yeah, it's different, and it plays by its own rules, and it will play us out this week. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. And this is Tara Lee with If I Burn, You Burn Too. Catch you next week, and at the live show, get your tickets, yo.
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. This is Tara Lee, and I burned a few. Uh, b- 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 fucked it up! <laughs> <laughs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle 
is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.